Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. This is Christopher Jason Bell once again here with Indie Beat. Uh, today, my guest is Nadine Mai. She works at Tao, T-A-O, The Art of Slow Cinema, which is a platform and distribution model for the very best of cinema, which is slow cinema. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Thank you very much. I had a very slow Sunday. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining me on your slow Sunday. Um, um, thank you very much for inviting me. Totally, totally. Um, <clears throat> so right off the bat, I just want to ask like uh, a general question as in like, what is your background in terms of cinema? Like, how did you come to love it and want to do something in it seriously as an adult, like kind of work in that field or art? That that was, I think it was a chain of coincidences uh, more than anything. I was never really interested in film um, until I went to university. Um, I did my, my bachelor degree in Scotland and um, I wanted to study philosophy and English literature. And... Um, I got into the English class uh, for philosophy. I needed to do French. Um, and I also wanted to do journalism, but the university had this, this structure that in order to do journalism, you need to have one year or one semester, I can't quite remember anymore, um, of general film media journalism studies. Um, so I had to run through this in order to sign up for journalism. And... For some reason, I, I don't know what it was, but the the general film classes really interested me. Um, I was very much into it, um, especially when they started to show those those classic art house movies like the Japanese film Onibaba and all these things. I was just fascinating. So after that one year of introductory uh, film media and journalism, I dropped journalism and shifted to film. And um, I got more and more into it. Uh, we watched a lot of artist films. And after a while, I think in in third in third year, uh, the bachelor's four years in Scotland, uh, in third year, I had the option to move into practical filmmaking. And by that time, um, I had my own photography exhibition. And I... I had a, a certain photographic eye, if you want, and I was really interested to see how this would turn out if I was to pick up a film camera. So I did this for two years, um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, I think that that really gave me a, a pretty good feeling of what's, what's possible in cinema. I stayed with film theory, though. Um, my my bachelor dissertation was a documentary film, a short documentary film, which I did with um, 
four other students and won three awards. And after that, we were all headhunted by the National Film and Television um, School in England down down in the UK. And I had the chance to go there to pursue practical filmmaking, but I decided against it because I didn't think that it would be useful if someone taught me how to film certain things. I wanted to remain free. So uh, I decided to, to pursue theoretical film studies, which I then did in my master's and PhD. Um, and it was the PhD that really got me into slow cinema. Um, again, this this was just a coincidence. In, I think it was back in 2009, um, I watched Balatash, The Man from London. Um, a horrible illegal copy because the film wasn't available anywhere at all. It wasn't available on DVD at the time. Um, but I was just, I was taken. I was, I was struck by, by the slowness, by, by the beauty of every single frame. I've, I had never seen anything like it. Um, and that, that was the beginning of my interest in slow cinema. So we are going on to seven years now, which, which is, I, I never thought that one single subject or one, one film genre alone could keep me interested for, for such a long time. Yeah, it's kind of slow cinema is kind of crazy because it's this very needy baby, <laughs> um, this very very needy neglected baby because nobody seems to really like it. Like it's definitely at the bottom rung. I, I I think this I think this is wrong. There are a lot of people who love it, but the thing is, they they have issue to access the films. And this is exactly where where my film distribution comes in. I think the people who generally don't like slow films are film critics. I don't know what it is, um, but it is more the 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 academic film critic type of people who seem to have the biggest issues with slow films. As I said, I don't I don't know what exactly it is, um, but it's more the people who are just the average type of person you meet in the street you know they they really love the films and it might be because they don't try to read too much into film they go and watch a film without analyzing it you know they can just really enjoy the images yeah i know what you mean um yeah i always when i'm reading criticism of uh slow cinema and i see like something negative I get super defensive because I feel like it is hard to access and it is like, yep. it seems like an easy thing to pick on because like, what do people usually say that it's boring and this isn't exactly. like novel to you or I. And it's just like, it seems like a low hanging fruit almost, or just like, you know, you didn't think into it. You didn't try and this isn't yep. your thing. So why are you writing about it? You know, it's like, and, and this, this is, I, I wrote a blog post uh, about this as well. I don't know whether you've read this. Um, I wrote this in the context of the book Art and Boredom. Um, and the author, God knows the name, I can't remember. Um, but he was arguing that there's a yes boredom and a no boredom. And the yes boredom is basically means, yes, something is boring, but you're willing to stay with it. And in the end, you will be rewarded. Um, this yes um, boredom is really just about willing to commit. And this no boredom is very much um, 
this this low hanging fruit you mean you know gosh it's boring i i can't stand it i leave the cinema um and i think the snowboarding is very very common when it comes to slow cinema um viewing which is which is sad because i think if you just commit to it if you stay with it um you you definitely will be rewarded it's it's very it's it's a different film experience i find and it's it's not the type of spectacular escapist movie not at all um but it it tells you something about your own life as well because it's it's usually just the 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 casual life a character lives or not even a character you know it's it's just even just a person usually it's non-professional actors just the average people on the street who are um just having their their lives recorded and it often shows me that I'm not alone with having these these repetitive days from Monday to Sunday. You know, this this is sometimes good for people to know. It's also interesting too because <clears throat> it didn't se- it doesn't seem like you were really like super into film before like you ended up taking that class. Uh, it, so it wasn't... no, I, I wasn't a film at all. I really wanted to become a writer. I wanted to write books. Hmm. that has shifted completely yeah how do you approach uh criticism i try to avoid it (laughs) that's right (laughs) if 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 you mean you know uh reading film reviews film criticism I, i try to avoid it as much as i can um because what what i noticed is that there's nothing original in film criticism anymore um, it's usually the same type of phrases. You can see which film critics like particular films or which films they don't like. Um, so they write the articles in a certain way. And there's one specific one I have in mind, and I'm not going to name that person now. Um, but there, there are also critics who dislike certain genres which is fine i mean we all have these kind of i mean i hate horror films i really hate them uh but that doesn't mean that they are bad films you know it's just i personally don't like them um but yeah those film critics even though they dislike this particular genre they keep writing about these films and they rip them into pieces over and over and over again and at some point you just wonder why they do it why they do not just put these films aside i mean if they don't like it just don't watch them um but there there seems to be a real push for i need to publish in order to get money and all these kind of things so it doesn't really matter what they write as long as they write something and i have for years um, avoided film criticism like the like like the plague. I know that there's some good stuff out there, uh, so I'm I'm not trying to say that all film criticism is bad. Um, but it really, you know, what you read needs to be taken with a pinch of salt, really. And how do you go about doing your own criticism? Which is incredible to me because, like, you're a distributor. Um, you're you you write about the films and then you interview the directors. And I don't know how you do all this. Um, mostly because I used to write criticism and I hate it. Like it, it's just soul sucking for me. But you do all these like wonderful things. Um, I guess 
before we get into like stuff like that, can you talk a little bit about um, uh, Tao, your platform, if that is how you pronounce it, and uh, why you did it and what it is for people who don't know? It's it's this needy, neglected baby you talked about earlier. <laughs> um, no, Tao Films is, as you said at the beginning, a platform for contemplative films from around the world. Uh, we show films that have um, failed to secure distribution, primarily because distributors are not interested. Um, slow films have no real sales potential unless uh, your name is Balata, Albatzara or whoever. Um, and we launched on the 1st of January. I did this as a result of, I think, four or five years writing my blog, The Arts of Slow Cinema, um, which I started as a research blog in autumn 2012 and I had directors from all over the world contacting me, asking me whether I could write about their films. They were trying to get exposure. You know, they, their films were great, um, but no one was writing about them because no one had the chance to see them. So these filmmakers sent me screeners and I was writing about them. And usually it only took a couple of days uh, before one of my my readers um, said, oh, where can I watch the film? And I always had to say, I'm, I'm sorry, the film doesn't have distribution. Um, I, w I would have liked to set up a VOD platform for slow films earlier, but I really had no time at all during my PhD. So that's why the plan was to do, to set this up afterwards. Um, yeah, so... Um, we started on the 1st of January with a curated program of six films, three feature films and three short films. We are now in the second season with eight films. And on the 1st of July, we will switch from curated programs to a permanent paid collection. That means that all the film submissions I have received so far, which are over 100, it's an unbelievable number, um, they will all go onto the platform um, very quickly within, I don't know, a couple of months, so that all slow films will be available all the time. Whenever you feel like you need to slow down, you know, you can do that with, with one of our films. And we do that very much in cooperation with, with filmmakers. Uh, so we do this not for us, and I say we because I do that with, with my brother, um, we do this for the filmmakers so that they get exposure. Um, Two-thirds of the profits go directly to them. Uh, we don't negotiate with salespeople or anything. We only negotiate directly with the directors um, because it just keeps the costs down. And the, the difficulty nowadays really is for filmmakers that there are so many um, intermediary positions, you know, the distributor, the salesperson, the producer, they all want money, you know, they're, they're all trying to get something out of it. And we are interested in filmmakers who do everything themselves. And we've got, I mean, the, the, I'm still receiving film submissions. I, I sent out a call last February, I think it was, um, for this platform. 
And now I have, let me think, I, I think 110 submissions from all continents, which I'm very proud of, especially of um, African films. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, and it's just stunning, you know, the, the kind of films that are made in this world, uh, but that are just nowhere to be found. So I, th I think w without trying to be too too arrogant or something, I think Tao films um, will have really good, um, you know, I think it will be a very good library, a sort of gem for, for filmmaking. Uh, and I hope that people will find their way to it because at the moment it's, it's quite difficult um, to get people uh, to visit our platform, mainly because they're not aware of it and no one film critics, I specifically mention film critics, um, are not interested in writing about it either. So um, the advertising is, is not very easy. But we are quite happy with how things have been running so far and uh, we're quite optimistic for for how things will go in, in the future. So Well, hopefully this... Uh... This little show could give you, um, oh, yes. you know, please some make your way to Tao. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think it's, I think it's a really great thing. And I'm glad, I mean, I was so excited to find you in your blog, like whenever that was like a year and a half ago or something, maybe yeah, not even that long ago. ago yeah. But it was always kind of hard to find slow cinema stuff. Cause it's like, well, how do I even go about, finding this stuff for a while I had festival scope and you can kind of pick out stuff there but after that you know you kind of you're able to find the popular ones as you mentioned like Bellatar Albert Serra but I don't know it was kind of hard and it was it was difficult to find more of that stuff because I'm always interested I always want to see like who else is doing it and how they're doing it and stuff like that so I think your platform was really Necessary. This is what the filmmakers we have selected um, appreciate very much as well. We put up, a, um, as you are aware of, the the Facebook group uh, where all the filmmakers come together. And I heard from so many of those we have added to this group that they are very, very grateful for having these connections, for actually knowing that they are not the only ones making these type of films and that they can you know, exchange ideas and these type of things. Um, I find this really important. And I I, I really hope that, that Tao can uh, offer um, even more than that, hopefully, that we can one day have physical screenings um, and bring the filmmakers together. That would be amazing. But you know that that's a kind of dream. I hope that will come true one day, uh, but it's it's not um, an important thing for now. We we just need to keep working on the platform now, um, see how this is going, and then hopefully we can expand to physical screenings somewhere. We'll see. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, do you have any other kind of ideas of how you would kind of expand it? Like, I was wondering, are you ever going to include other writers? to do the uh, essays and stuff with the films? That is in the planning. We have uh, one person for this season who wrote the introduction for the film Bear Romans uh, because I just 
you know, she she was the one who recommended Tao films to the filmmaker. So I thought she would be great for writing about the film as well. Um, I had this question before. One of the filmmakers asked me already, um, and yes, I'm very much open for that. I would I would love to have even filmmakers writing about their own films, even though I know that quite a few of them would hate doing this. Um, but um, the the thing is with the curated programs it was it was quite difficult to do that because we had um, certain deadlines and it was important um, ironically to work fast you know to do the interviews and write the intros in a very short amount of time so that we could upload everything in time um, once we switch to the permanent collection on the 1st of July, things will be easier um, because whenever a film plus intro plus interview is ready, we just upload it. You know, there's there's no deadline or anything. Um, and from that moment onwards, I will invite people um, to write about certain films. I will, I will choose specific films. I, I want to keep writing about the films myself as well. So I don't want to give it all away, all the work, um, but I would really like like to have other writers on board, yes. Moving a little bit away from that and focusing more on your writing, um, you have a book you wrote, is that true? No. <laughs> was it like a proposal? Oh, yeah, yes, that was a book proposal, yes, for, um, well, it was a proposal for a book on last years, yes. Where is that at? So you were uh, pitching it? Or? So I'm doing one last attempt because it is really exhausting to f- to fight for this uh, fight to get publication, and um, it's it takes so much time to publish something uh, in academia. It's it's madness. So I have been thinking about doing self publishing as well through Tao Films because Tao Films is not just registered for film distribution but also for book publication so I could do it uh, with the same name um, but I'm, I'm not sure whether I could I could manage it completely on my own without someone kicking my bum you know if, if you've got an editor in, in your neck you say you know you've got a deadline this might be easier uh, at the same time I'm fully aware that it's not easy to to publish something about a slow film director. At the same time, people do manage, um, but primarily they are male academics. Um, I mean, the, the, the book on Tsai Ming Liang, for example, written by a male director. Uh, then there's this, this one book, which isn't directly about slow cinema, but it's, is it called the... Uh, World of Realism in Contemporary Cinema, something like that. Um, a male academic as well, a male writer. Um, the Slow Cinema book, the the edited collection that came came out in two thousand fourteen, I think, um, which didn't blow me away exactly, um, was also prim- primarily male, <clears throat> and it's all all Balata books, I think, have been written by male. Uh, writers um, so I, I start to feel increasingly alone you know even though I have a superb project because 
um, the, the book would be based on my PhD, um, which was focused on how LAFDS uses duration and time and absence um, as a representation of post-trauma in his films. And the book would be, for example, um, the first book ever in any language written on the director, and he becomes more and more popular. You know, publishers should be interested, but something... I mean, one publisher, I'm not going to name the publisher, but one publisher said it doesn't have sales potential, and this is how publishers work. They they only think about sales potential. That's another reason why I'm still fighting with me whether I should do self-publishing or not because I know that this book has um, sales potential. I know it. A lot of people are interested in LFDS. At the same time, academic books cost so much that no one can afford it. I have um, a chapter in a forthcoming book about um, trauma in film. That is uh, a chapter on LFDS as well. Uh, but the book will be so expensive that I can't even afford it myself. So um, there, there is something. I mean, I, I see that it, that it, you know the publishers have to pay their editors and all these kind of things. Um, but there is something not quite right in academic publishing in in many ways so yeah i'm 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 still waiting for a publisher to say hey we take on the book but we'll we'll see for how long i will keep trying <laughs> uh you should i mean it's kind of surprising because he's like getting increasingly big and more prominent i mean like the world is still pretty small for that, but I think he's the next filmmaker that's really up there with, like when you think of the slow cinema, you think of like Bellatar is like a big one, and I think he's definitely coming up to be that. I think so too. He will definitely be up there as well, but I, th- I think only when he's there, people will be able to publish like crazy, um, and by that. By by that time, I might have given up already. It's just really frustrating. Frustrating, you know. I I put three years of hard work into it, and I thought that there's so much original material um, in in this project that publishers would take it without a big deal. But that's not how it goes. Do you, and you think um, part of this has to do with a kind of male dominance over the criticism i i think so because whatever is written about lefties finds from what i can see more resonance uh especially in social media when it's written by a male critic um i mean in lefties scholarship i almost don't exist at all uh which is interesting because um i've i have basically I have started from scratch, you know, when Lauf Diaz was still... I mean, he, he was he was not completely unknown, but he was very little known. And when I met him in 2012, he was 
I mean, it's it's just so different from now, you know, five years on. He has really become a major figure. Um, but anyway, I, I think I have done a lot of writing um, that created a basis for what people are now writing about in the context of Love Dears. Um, I think I have done a lot of ground field work, um, but my name is never there. Um, but yeah, male critics, they're, they're everywhere when it comes to Love Dears. Um, I, I don't know what it is. There, there is something about slow cinema in general as well that is very male-centered. Um, we see that with, with our film submissions as well for, for Tower Films. And I can't get my head around that of the over 100 film submissions. I think I have seven submissions from female directors. It's I, I, I don't know what it is. I'm pretty sure there are more female directors out there. Uh, but I don't know how to um, how to reach them. Um, also, I, 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 was, I was lucky enough to see a lot of slow films on a big screen. I was really lucky. And even the audience is primarily male. I, I, I still haven't quite understood what it is. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know, maybe you can help me. You're a man. <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just really it's just really strange, you know. Um I mean I don't want this to to sound like like um a furious attack against men, not at all, you know. But it is it is a very curious um thing I have seen from the beginning I I looked into slow cinema that it was very male dominant uh, dominated, um both filmmakers film critics, film viewers, that's, I, I don't know how it is in other film genres. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really, as I said, horror movies. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't tell you, but I, I can only say something about slow cinema, but it, it seems to be a very specific thing. And yeah, I, I, I don't have an answer to why this is the case. I don't know. I, I think if I had, um, if I was a man, I would have gotten the book through already. I'm pretty sure about this. Yeah, I don't know. If you think back and you think of like Chantal Ackerman was huge. Yeah. Um, but I honestly think, and I can't back this up, I just feel like this. I feel like she was um, kind of taken for granted for a really long time until she died. Yeah. And uh, like she is, I think, one of the only that I can think of towering figures of slow cinema, of minimalist stuff that is a female. She is, yep. Um, in quite a lot of journals, you find Kelly Reichert as well. Um, but I'm, I'm not very familiar with her film, so I couldn't, I couldn't say anything about that. Um, but yeah, I think... Even though they mention Kelly Reichert as well, I think Chantal Ackerman, it's true, she's the only towering female person in slow cinema. Or she was. Well, she still is, actually. And um, I'm grateful that, that people are now turning to her work, unfortunately, only now that, she's, that she has died. Um, 
but it's it's true. It's kind of sad though. But she she did magnificent work in in this in this um, circle of of men. You know, she 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 did her own thing, and she did really amazing work. So, hats off to that. Yeah, she was the best. <laughs> um, it's funny now. I know that you hate horror movies. Oh, no. What is it? No, no, no. Uh, Like, one of my questions was, you know, I knew this was going to be dominated by slow cinema, but I was kind of curious what else, like, what movies do you think people would be surprised that you really like? I mean, I do not watch slow films all day long, every day. That's for sure. That's what I can tell tell your listeners. Um, I think it's it's, it's more coincidence that a lot of the films I watch happen to be slow. Um, what I'm, what I'm really interested in is is not really slowness as such, but you know, films that engage with um, with humanity, with um, the social malaise, you know, with all kinds of human human issues. I love documentaries. Um, and animation films as well, but I'm not, um, I'm not very much into, you know, Japanese manga or anything, but there are those, there's films like, um, the Israeli film Waltz with Bashir, for example, um, and I'm, I never used to be a person for animation, but I noticed even, yes, I have started reading comic books, I really have, um, that there is a lot in, in those things um, that deal with the subjects I'm really interested in, which is uh, primarily um, trauma, post-trauma. And I have learned that a lot of that um, is visible in cartoons and on oh, comic books, not cartoons, in comic books and animation films. Um, so, yeah, may- maybe maybe people might be surprised about that. At the same time, it's not a very dominant thing in my in my daily film viewing at all. It just pops up here and there. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, yeah, I think I would just say that I'm not just watching slow films but it just they just happen to be slow even even animation films can be very slow and very often I on I'm on festival scope as well you know and very often I read about a film it interests me I click on play and it turns out to be slow that's not you know it's it's not my fault <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not really actively looking for it um but um yeah, so uh, what what I can say is that at the moment I'm I'm watching the the TV series The Americans, so that that is the complete opposite of slow cinema, and the I think it was in the right in the in the first episode of the first season, there was um, there was a fighting scene and this was so damn fast I couldn't keep up. <laughs> um, but yeah, you see, maybe this is surprising that I actually watch TV series like this, which everyone else does as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
what would you say to someone? How would you ease someone into like a slow film? Like, and what would be like the gateway film to get people into it? Oh dear, <laughs> I I don't think I could get anyone to watch a slow film because this is up to the person. Um, I could just recommend films. That's that's pretty easy to do, and I would always start with Balatar because I think he's the icon uh, of slow cinema. I wouldn't start with a seven-hour film, Satatangle, um, but you know his. Uh, I mean, okay, Werkmeister. How I many? Just two and a half hours, I think. Which is which is still okay. I mean, they're, now there are popular blockbusters which are just as long. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's all I could um, do really. Um, recommend films um the man from london workmaster harmonies that that were the two films that got me into slow cinema and then i discovered simon young um his films which are completely different they're slow but they are very different um other than that i don't think you can make slow cinema attractive for someone it's just it, it needs to be discovered and for quite some some people, um, it might actually be something life changing. Um, I had I wrote I wrote a post um, quite some time ago um, about um, my 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 personal interest in in slow cinema, and I wrote that for me it was um, my dealing with post traumatic stress disorder and that slow films really helped me to slow down and I found it interesting how many people got back to me about this post and they said similar things you know in in terms of um because of um a terrible event in my life I now suffer from anxiety and this is what brought me to slow cinema um and then there was I think he was over 80 or something and I find it amazing that he that he responded to my blog post and he said um you know now that he's retired um he he he, somehow he feels as if life is just passing by really really quickly and he wants to slow it down and he watches slow films in order to do this and I found this just marvelous it was amazing um so yeah I, I think for some people just Maybe it needs something that brings them to slow films. Um, otherwise, it's just about um, this this yes boredom, you know, just this willingness. Um, other than that, I, I don't think you can you can get someone into slow cinema because as soon as you describe it, you know, oh, there are long takes, not a lot of cuts, there's no music. Maybe you have one character if you're lucky, but very often they're just landscape shots. To be honest, it sounds very boring. At the same time, you just need to experience it. And if you still don't like it, that's fine, but at least give it a try. Um, yeah, I, I think I would I would fail in convincing people, even though I've been doing this for seven years now. <laughs> but I think I, I, I would just fail. But I don't want to recruit people either. You know, it's it's just they they should just find their way. Um, and I think Tao Films is is one one way of of trying it. 
um, to not not to have not necessarily to have people find our films, but for me to find viewers because I find it incredible where where our viewers sit. So, I mean, we we have uh, people from from Mexico, especially watching our films, which I find great. We have a lot of Mexican filmmakers on the platform and a lot of Mexican viewers. There's there's a lot going on when it comes to slow cinema there. The current generation of filmmakers is so strong, um, whether it's slow or not, but there, there is something, some, something great going on there, and it might be the political situation that helps with that, you know, that, that the young generation just um, rebels against it and makes films about... Um, Mexican society. How do you think uh, Tao will grow in the next like year or so? I don't know. I, I really don't know. It, it depends on whether people can find us. And this obviously depends on, on advertising. Um, what I, I don't think grow is the right word, even though we do hope that more people will find us. Um, I hope that Tao films will always remain a niche because otherwise it will become very difficult to handle. Um, and I would like to keep it in my own hands and I don't want to hire people to deal with administration and all these things um, because it just makes it really expensive. And there will be less money for the filmmakers. This is really not about me, but I'm interested in in, in um, supporting the filmmakers' new new work. So I hope that we grow to a point where um, you know we can we can cover our costs because that is that is important. Um, but I hope that we won't become as popular as Netflix, and I don't think we ever will. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I think you know. I, I think in the next twelve months, um, to be honest, I would hope for uh, between one hundred fifty and two hundred views a month. That would be great. That would be really great. But you know, it it sounds low, but for a slow cinema platform, that would be great. I'm. I'm hoping it grows as much as that, but you know, I, I God knows, God knows where we will go. I mean, I'm thrilled on my Vimeo page when I get three like views per day. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like relative. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, we have um, we have an average of thirty uh, views. I mean, no, thirty purchases. We do have more views because, especially for the second season. There are quite a lot of people who bought the whole season. So they bought eight films, which is great. Um, our our package seems to be quite attractive. Um, but, you know, for, for some platforms, 30 would be a disaster. But uh, for a niche like this, this, this is already a lot. We just hope that it gets a bit more. Um, and I think it's just... Really, the, the word just needs to go out. This, this is all because we do have, I find, very good films. Um, the prices are reasonable, and it's um, it's really about educating the film viewer as well that um, you know he needs to to spend money in order to see more films from the filmmakers because the, 
usually the the films we show have been done without without a budget. You know, it's, it's kind of the filmmakers did everything themselves, and it would be great to just um, support them financially for the new for the new projects. It's it's a sort of you know get get the viewers also involved in even indirectly, but let them get involved in the filmmakers' new projects by viewing their current films. I think this this is something the viewers are not quite aware of. Um, and for us, it's it's in a more direct way. I think if you if you buy a film on Netflix, I'm I'm not sure how much money the filmmaker will get. Um, but for us, it's it's really direct. You know, sixty um, percent directly to the filmmaker. That's it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's about educating the viewer. Um, but that is a completely different story, and that would that would take the whole afternoon or for you morning <laughs> to talk about that <laughs> are you still making films i would love to but you know somehow i have i mean i had lost my creativity while i was at university i have to say that now that i'm out of university i have started taking photographs again um so i'm working towards a new photo exhibition that's the first step. Um, I would love to pick up my, my film camera again, but I'm, you know, I see so many films. I'm just worried that unconsciously I copy someone. This, this really holds me back. Um, I think one day I will make films again. Uh, I just need to distance myself a bit from, from all these films I'm seeing. Just Maybe I should just go... On, on a Buddhist retreat or something, just, you know, just be with myself and my mind <laughs> and then get back to it. But I would, I would love to. I, I miss it a lot. I miss this, this creative work. Yeah, I'd love to see what you would come up with, given your pedigree, as they say. Uh, yeah, well, you will be the first to know. <laughs> All right. I mean, uh, I think we can wrap up. And it's been great. Thanks for coming on and talking about yourself and your work. Thank you so much for the invitation again, Chris. Yeah, totally. IndieB and all the playlist podcasts are sponsored by Mubi, a curated online cinema streaming, a selection of exceptional, independent, classic, and award-winning films from around the globe. Mubi's film experts handpick every single film they show. Each day they present a new gem, and you have one month to watch it. Visit MUBI.com slash the playlist to start your special 30-day free trial. Regular people would only get seven-day free trial. So this is the real deal, people. You could do $5.99 a month or $47.99 for a full year. Mubi is available via web or on any of your other favorite devices, such as Apple TV, Samsung Smart TVs, Roku, PlayStation. So pause your game of Bonk's Adventure and watch some films, sonnies. Movie is a global platform, but programming is customized per country. Some highlights Movie is now showing in the U.S. of A. Locarno in L.A. Movie has partnered with the Locarno Festival in L.A. to show a couple of their picks from the last Locarno Film Festival. Two films that are part of this are The Idea of a Lake and All the Cities of the North. They're also showing Contact High in celebration of 420. Also showing is Archipelago by Joanna Hogg. It's her second film, our very own Loki. 
Tom Hiddleston is in it, and it's about a bougie family who butt heads while vacationing in Sicily. Okay, so that about does it for this episode. Please do check out Tao, T-A-O, Films. The website is tao-films.com. And get your slow cinema on. Could really use your support. So, what else are you going to do? Thanks again. And please do check out the other shows on the Playlist Podcast Network. And also, please do like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. We don't tweet a lot, thank God. It's just a nice little feed of all of our previous episodes. So, like us and rate us and share us. Do all those things. And also, please do tune in again next time. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate the support. And we'll be seeing you later.